Thanks, team. What a great team. Amen? Amen. Give, them a, give, give it up for them. Hey, Pat. Pat. Thank you, man. Hey, listen, we're going to do a look into a passage of Scripture this morning. Many of you who have grown up in the church know this one. For those of you who are relatively new to the church or brand new to the church, uh, this is a great story to kind of uh, hold on to uh, because it will give you um, a message that you can walk with every single day. And so that's why I wanted to share it this morning. It's a uh, Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 10, beginning with the 25th verse. Uh, it's a story about the Good Samaritan with a prelude of uh, a lawyer asking, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then after we go through that little segment there, then we have the segment of Jesus telling the story about a parable uh, of, of, uh, of a guy who gets robbed. And uh, he's beaten, his, uh, all his clothes are, are taken away from him, everything. And so I just want to, you know, we are so blessed today to have that person in church. So Kurt Lauderer, will you please stand so we can recognize you this morning. Thank you very much. He's only a couple thousand years old, but that's okay. Just don't start it if you're not able to finish it. All in Christian love, of course. Um, not really. <laughs> uh, let me share a little bit about the story with you. Uh, so, um, you know, I just got back from Israel about uh, 10 days ago. So what we have here is Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is um, about uh, 2,300 feet above sea level. And the story says that uh, they're going from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Jericho is 1,300 feet below sea level. And so we have about 3,600 feet of difference. Um, literally, when you're traveling on a bus, your ears are plugged up and getting open and just kind of yawning a lot to make them so I can hear. And then um, what we have here is it's just desolate. It's barren land. It's, it's desert. And, and, and so we have this, uh, this guy who should not have been traveling by himself anyways, uh, but he's a Jew. And so um, he's traveling and he... He runs into some bad people. And so, um, what else can I tell you about that? Um, that's enough. So, um, <laughs> so uh, oh, I know. Take out your bulletin insert. Uh, there's a program. There's a, a teaching notes in there. It has uh, all three scriptures that I'm going to be using this morning there, especially for our guests. You might want to have a pen available to write in a couple words that I've left blanks there for you. So, listen as uh, uh, God's word is spoken. <clears throat> and as we get to learn from it. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. A teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself a little bit more, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem down to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man... He passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw the man, uh, passed by on the other side. 
But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. So this morning I want to give you a quiz. I want you to take out a piece of paper and a pencil. I'm going to give you a quick t uh, quiz uh, to check uh, your knowledge about the Bible. Just want you to see if you're listening. So I, I do want to give you a quiz, though, this morning. I'm going to give you a quiz about two people, uh, a man and a woman. And uh, I want you to be listening, and as you uh, think you have that answer, just hold on to it. I'll ask you who you think that person is, and you can all... Uh, shout it back to me at one time. So, uh, who is this man? He was born the son of a Lutheran pastor. He became an acclaimed organist and worldwide authority on Bach by the age of 30. Later, he earned doctorates in theology and philosophy, and then he went on to medical school. He and his wife moved to French Equatorial Africa, now Gabon, to build a treatment center for under-resourced Africans. He stayed there for the rest of his life. In 1952, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. In 1965, he died at the age of 90. Who is this man? Albert Schweitzer. There you see a picture of him. Now, tell me who this person is. She was born the youngest of three children. She joined a youth group at the age of 17, and at that time decided that uh, she wanted to give her life in service to God. She became a high school geography teacher and was promoted to be principal of the school. But her career was uh, short-lived because she contracted tuberculosis. She started an unofficial school for young children <clears throat> in the slums, and she combined teaching and medical care uh, to nurse them toward health. She rented a house uh, with her own money so that people who were dying in the streets uh, could be transported there and die with dignity. She was one of the earliest pioneers of treating people with AIDS even before AIDS was named. And she received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979. She died in 1997. Who is this? Mother Teresa. So if you look at the pictures of Mother Teresa and Albert Schweitzer, there's something quite interesting about them. Our grandchildren are going to know their names. And their grandchildren are going to know their names. They're going to know their names because of the extraordinary good that they did 
while living on the face of this earth. They're not going to be known for their wealth, their power. They're not going to be known for inventing some type of industry. They're going to be known as individuals who decided to do with their lives what God placed on them, and then they said yes. So the question that I want to raise as we just begin this time together this morning is, have you said yes? Have you said yes to use what it is that God has given to you in order to be part of the transformation of this world? Or perhaps you have said yes some of the time, but no other times. And what would it mean if you and I decide that we're going to stop saying yes some of the time, but we're going to say yes to God all the time, and we're simply going to say, God, take us for who we are and how you have gifted us and use us for, the, for your glory. What would that mean? Here's what I know. I, I dare say that everybody in this room here today and everybody watching wherever you are uh, around the world in your hotel room, your, your bedroom, wherever it is, we've all made this statement. I wish the world were a better place. And here's the answer I want to give to you. It can be. Our world can be a different place. Our world in which you and I live can be radically different from, what, from the way it is today. When you and I decide that we're going to stop saying yes some of the time and say yes to God all the time, and we're just going to allow God to use how God gifted us in order, for, in order to be used for the transformation of the world. Albert Schweitzer, uh, Mother Teresa, they were not born and they were not created uh, in a special way, different than what you and I are. You and I are created in the same way, and God is simply saying, will you say yes? So let me ask you. Are you willing to be used by God for the glory of God in the community in which you live, whether it be in Fort Myers or anywhere else in the world, will, are you willing to do that? That's pretty weak. I'm just going to say it the way I feel it, right? Folks, if we're waiting for politicians, if we're waiting for the count to be taken again and again and again, it ain't going to make any difference. Ain't. The only thing that's going to make a difference is when the people of God choose to unite together for the transformation of the world and to do something that will make a consequential difference for the community in which we live and the world in which we live as well. Amen? And so let's do it. So I want to share with you two passages of Scripture, secondary passages of Scripture uh, from the book of Titus. Now, this is a book that most people don't know very much about. Uh, it, it's in the New Testament, actually. I had somebody come up to me and said, I'd never even heard of that book. It's a book of Titus. Titus was a, uh, a convert, um, a Gentile convert. He was a, 
companion of the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary of the church, and he became the bishop of the, uh, of the church uh, on the Isle of Crete. I'll take that assignment on the Isle of Crete. Uh, sounds pretty good. So uh, this is who Titus was. And then he, he shares these two passages of Scripture that in the past few weeks that I've been thinking about this sermon have just started to live inside of me, start, started to annoy my gut. So I invite you to look at uh, the text from uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 8. And in this text, it says this. Those who, those who have trusted God must be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. You hear that? Those who have trusted God. So the, the first question is asked there, do we trust God? And if we trust God, uh, can we be careful to devote ourselves to doing what is good? Yes? No? Maybe? And, and, and so uh, the, the question has to be asked is, well, is that, is that devote, following to being devoted? Is that asking something of me that I cannot do? No, it's not. The second passage of Scripture simply says, remind people, remind people to be ready to do whatever is good. I'm reminding you today, do whatever is good. And when you and I do that, we'll, we're going to see amazing things that take place in our lives. So let me just share with you two quick questions. You might want to write down these two words I'm going to give you. The first question is this. Well, why should we go out of our way to do good? Why? Why should you and I go out of our way to do good in the world in which you and I live? Because the reality is, you and I get caught up in this, but the world especially, those who are not part of any faith tradition, are all caught up in doing good for, for our own sake. We want we want that goodness in our lives, but let me clarify. We want good in our lives, but I'm talking about are we willing to do goodness for the world? We'll do anything we can to add to our personal lives, but are we willing to go beyond that? Are we willing to say, I want to go beyond just that which will impact my life? You've heard me say this before. 80% of the people in the workforce today are engaged in things that they are not passionate about. They're engaged in work in, in which they're, all they're doing is getting a paycheck. Some of you have been involved or are involved in that kind of work right now. In fact, recent studies, though, have also showed, since we live in a, in a large retirement community, uh, that a large uh, population of retire, retirees, uh, they, 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 they worked hard, they saved money, they... They, 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 they planned out their retirement, and, and you've come down, and you've retired, and you've played golf, and you've played tennis, and you've gone boating, and, and all sorts of things, and, and you did that, and you thought, wow, that's really good. I really have enjoyed that, but now you're saying, what's next? Because all you've done is added to your bucket list of personal things, but what about that which God has called you to do? What about that? And I simply want to say to you, here, listen carefully. I'm going to put it as bluntly as I know how. All of us have a heartbeat, right? I'm going to call the paramedics to make sure. <laughs> right? Yes. 
Thank you. Oof. Um, Brahman, if you can go out and just be ready to call 911. We all have a heartbeat. We're all sucking air, right? We're all walking the path. We're all walking in, in this world, right? And because of all that, God has a plan for you. Yeah. Folks, God has a plan for you uh, that is going to create something in, in you uh, that you cannot even imagine today. God has a plan for you. And, and, and God is simply saying, will you be open to my plan? Will you be open to hearing what I have for you so that you can go out and do something radical for the world, just like Mother Teresa, just like Albert Schweitzer? No, you might not get the popularity. You might, you're not going to probably win the Nobel Peace Prize. But I will tell you this, that when we do it, we will change someone else's life and will also impact our own. So that's why God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. God is saying, do something with what I've given you instead of just sitting with your backside in the pew on Sunday mornings thinking that that is what, what uh, being faithful is all about. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're watching. But God is saying, do something with it, and we will change the world. Here's the second question. So where are you supposed to do all this goodness? Where? Let me take you back to the Scripture. And so we have this man. Uh, Kurt was walking down the path, and as Kurt was walking down the path, he should not have, he should not have been alone. Remember, this is barren land. And he came around a corner, and there were thieves, robbers there, who beat him, who left him for half dead, took all his clothing, took everything that he had, and left him there to die. A priest comes by. A priest comes by. He looks at him. I don't want to get involved. I might be late for my appointment. A Levite, who's also a religious leader, comes by. I don't want to get involved. The thieves may still be around. A Samaritan. The Samaritan is the least likely person uh, to, to be a helper to a Jew. A Jewish person would never travel through the land of Samaria. If you're in Jerusalem and you're going up to the Sea of, Gal to the sea of Galilee, another Jewish stronghold, you would either go to the coast and go around or to the, to the uh, River Jordan and go up. You would never go through. They would never touch, they would never touch paths. That's how much they were, they, they hated each other. And, but, it, but this Samaritan, he sees this man in need and he decides to go over and to help him, put him on his donkey, give him what he, whatever he needed, gave two denarii, I'll pay you whatever else you need. And the question is simply this. Are you listening? Are you the priest? Are you the Levite? You sure? Yeah. There are days in which I am the priest. Can I confess it? There are days I am the Levite. I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I don't want to do that which God is calling me to do.
where are you supposed to do this good? A couple of weeks ago, I was traveling home from Daytona Beach. I was at a board of trustees meeting for Bethune-Cookman University, and I was coming down, and I stopped at a rest area, a truck stop, actually. And I, when I walked inside, um, um, I, I, I saw a map of Florida, and it had the, the little sign, just like here, you are here. Folks, this is where we are right now, or wherever you are in the world right now. This is where we are. Some of you are here full-time. Others of you are here seasonal. Some of you are here today and you're guests. I just want you to know that what we're called to do is to do the good work of God, just what God has given to us right here, right now. And the simple question is, are we willing to do it? So on my trip to Israel, uh, there were 37 of us, and we had three children. I shared that with you last week. Uh, the oldest of the three children uh, was Elizabeth, age 14. Then we had Benjamin, age 11, and then Matthew, age 8. Now, we were about two days from the end of the trip, and, and I was getting a little bit tired. And uh, my practice, though, is that I get off the bus first, and I make sure everybody else gets off the bus, and then I bring up the back of, of the bus wherever we're going. We were going to lunch at this time. And as we were uh, getting ready uh, to get off the bus, I, I said, okay, everybody, just follow the guide, and, and he'll take us to where we need to be. And so out the back door, I see uh, Benjamin and, and Elizabeth and Matthew get off the bus. And then I see Matthew, age 8, just kind of hanging around that back door. And I, and I yell out to him, Matthew, catch up with the rest of the group. And he kind of gives me this look. And, and, and I say it again, a little bit, you know, with that, that parent voice. I said, Matthew, catch up with the, your grandparents. And he looked at me like, stop it. Because what I didn't know, what he knew, was there, there's a woman on our trip, Marilyn, who was my former secretary at another church. She's walking with a cane these days. She did really well, but it she, took her time to get off the bus. So what was Matthew doing? He was waiting for Marilyn to get off the bus, and just as she got to the last step, he reached his hand up to help her down that last step. And I just said, Father, forgive me. Where are you and I supposed to do good? Where? Where? See, we need to be ready to do good. And I simply want to close by asking you now, are you ready to do good? Are you willing to give of your lives to do good in our world so that we can partner with what God is already doing for the transformation of the world? And if we're not willing to do that, if you and I are not willing to do that, then I want to say to you and I want to say to myself, I need to stop asking the, or making the statement, I want the world to be a different place. We just might as well accept it the way it is. But that's not why God planted you here on earth. 
those who are part of God's kingdom must devote themselves to doing good. Not for our glory, but only for the glory of God. And I just want to challenge you. I'm going to challenge myself. That when I walk out of this place and I see a homeless person, I'm going to go up at least talk to them. Give shared dignity with them. When I see a person who is who, who's just uh, having a hard time uh, with this or that, I'm going to just say, you know what, I'm going to give a few moments of my time to them. When I see a child that is having a difficult time learning how to read, I'm going to give my time, my talent. So I want to ask you, we don't do this very often, but I'm going to ask you right now, will you just raise your hand if today you are willing to say, I am willing to devote myself to doing good in my world, in my community. Will you do that? And just allow God to just come and penetrate your heart, your mind right now, and just say, God, thank you for these individuals. God, thank you for who they are. Thank you, Lord, for their willingness to serve. Help us, Lord, to make a difference by sharing goodness, your goodness, with others. Let's pray. God, come and move in us. God, it's so easy for us to sit here and hear this message and for us to say, yeah, that's what we're going to do. But when we walk out of here, the world has a way of taking over. So I pray right now that you'll just uh, place the seed of Scripture in our minds so that we can be devoted to doing good here, there, and everywhere. And we pray this in your name. Amen.